Good morning. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, you can. I unmuted myself on the bottom and then something happened on the screen. So um, now that you have, no, now that I have your attention. Um, this morning's uh, fruit of the spirit is joy. And so um, I'm doing kind of the liturgy and the communion together on that. And in preparing for the morning, I went to my garden, literally this week, I spent time um, cleaning up my garden and thinking about joy while I was doing it. Um, working in my garden is always, you know, a fertile time for me to hear God's voice. So as I was trimming the boxwoods and pulling weeds and cutting back all the stray runners from the wisteria and then raking up all the carnage, I began to see what the point of my efforts was. I was making room for joy. The boxwoods were overgrowing and when winter arrives and the heavy snow lands on it, they will need to be as tight and trim as possible in order not to be damaged. And the wisteria was uh, heading all over the place in all kinds of different directions. And so bringing it back on track and keeping it focused was what I needed to do. Um, the weeds, those are always the hardest of the plant, hardiest of the plants and easy to pull, but difficult to really remove. So hopefully you see where I'm going with this. I experienced the immediate joy of having my garden cleaned up and looking beautiful. But I'm also creating the possibility of sustained joy by preparing for the future. So if your heart were a garden, what might need trimming? What might need to be reshaped in order not to be spread too thin? What might need to be pulled up and removed in order to make space for more beautiful things to grow? I would encourage you to make space for joy and tend to your heart's garden. I've, um, I found a, a liturgy online and um, Josh is gonna flip that up while I read it <clears throat> so you can read along. This was um, created last year uh, by some folks at the Church of the City, New York. I just happened to find it online. Uh, can we flip to the first one there? When the world expects sadness, help us, creator of light, to look for pockets of joy. When the world is overwhelmed by darkness, give us eyes to see little delights. When the world is caught up in sensationalism, help us to speak of the hidden wonders we've discovered, holding them up for others to see. No, there is not peace everywhere. <clears throat> and all pain has not been removed. 
but there are still people returning home, voices that pray, moments of forgiveness, signs of hope. We don't have to wait until all is well to celebrate the glimpses of your kingdom at hand. The sacred stillness of the early morning, a quiet moment in the sun, small children laughing on scooters, trees bursting into bloom and lilies opening at the corner bodega. These small joys reveal the truth of the world we live in. Let us not deny sadness, but transform it into fertile soil for more joy. Let us not deny the darkness, but choose to live in the light. Cynics seek darkness wherever they go, but joy is the mark of the people of God. Help us discipline ourselves to choose joy, for the reward is joy itself. Help us renew our minds until they default to joy and not fear. For there is no such, there is so much to frighten us. Help us believe that the light can be trusted, for there is so much darkness to mislead us. Jesus. You are both the man of sorrows and the man of complete joy. Help us to hold both sorrow and joy in the ways you've shown us. Help us to remain in your love so that your joy may be in us and our joy may be complete. We're going to move to communion. So hopefully you have uh, your elements there with you. And I'm just, I'm going to lead us into a prayer um, to go into communion. Jesus, draw us to your table this morning. Help us to let go of anything that would hinder us from entering in with joy. Help us to recall exactly how your presence in our lives makes a difference. We are so grateful for your love that you lavish on us, for the forgiveness we experience, for the mercy that is always available. We remember the cost of your love for us your suffering and your death. And we rejoice in your resurrection, your victory over death and the life you have given us. For your broken body, we are grateful. And for your shed blood, we are grateful. Jesus, we eat and drink in joyful remembrance of you. Amen. Eat and drink.
Cool. Thanks, Eden. I read that liturgy this morning that Eden was going to do, and I was like, I, I don't actually have to preach today. I think she's kind of covered it already. So thanks very much, everybody, and goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I will. Uh, I will share what I've got. And um, the danger of talking about joy is actually painful positivity. I am not proposing that we exist in a good vibes only world, and I'm not going to tell everybody today to just put a happy face on. Uh, I expect and I hope that we would all be real and honest with each other, or at least know that we have permission to be so. But at the same time, I want us to remember that one of the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us is joy. We are at the beginning of our series on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going to do, we're going to take one a week, not in that order, but um, we will explore each of them because we hope that as a community, we might demonstrate those things. Um, within the community, outside the community, in ourselves, as God um, is in each of us. So today is about joy, and let's see if we can find our way back there, because we knew it as children, and we can know it as crusty or grown-ups too. It says in the Bible that weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Feelings come and go, and they should, and we should have them all. I understand there are people who have feelings. I'm not very good at them myself, but I understand that they exist. Uh, so feelings come and feelings go. When we experience God's all right, God's shalom, then we might find that our baseline or our root is joy. So please, if you hear, put a happy face on it and good vibes only. If you hear that as a message from me today, or if it accidentally tips that way, then please filter. That's not what I mean. Please be real. Um. Let's start with Jesus. He's always a great place to start. Joy, happiness, jubilant, uh, jubilation, gladness and celebration are scattered through the Bible. Jesus got into trouble frequently with religious leaders for being the party, for being at the party, instigating the party, eating with the wrong people, loving when and who he shouldn't, um, encourage, letting his people do the wrong things, doing the good things at the wrong time. And he was watched like a hawk continually. And his behavior was brought into question all the time. By the time we get to Luke 15, this is obviously a habit because listen to how Luke 15 starts. This is uh, Luke 15 in the message. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around with Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. For those of you who've been watching um, uh, Ted Lasso, this is the Roy Kent moment. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats with them, treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered this story. Well, it actually triggered three stories, all about the joy of being re reunited with lost things and inviting others to celebrate as well. And I want you to listen for Jesus's words in the searches in each of these stories. And I'm just gonna tell the first two because you probably know, um, you probably don't know them all super well, but the prodigal son has been done so many times, I'm just gonna skip that guy. Uh, but first the sheep story, this one happens first. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Did you notice Jesus's words in the voice of the shepherd? Celebrate with me. What if God is the shepherd? 
God says, celebrate with me? What if there's someone who believes themselves to be lost? Jesus says, I know where you are. I will find you. <laughs> and not in the way of, um, of the, <laughs> the guy, you know, I will, I will find you. I will hunt you down. Not, not in that kind of nature, but actually in a, I will find you. I will celebrate because of you. There's a prayer that I pray pretty much every day. And it's written like this. It says, Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say, amen. And that's how it's written. But I actually change one of those lines every time. And instead of um, it saying, help me to love the lost, uh, I kind of interpret, reinterpret it and say, help me to love those who believe they are lost. Because I have a hunch that they aren't lost at all and that God knows exactly who they are and where they are. And uh, is not at all worried about where they are. The shepherd in Jesus's story leaves the crowd to go and find the one who is not with the rest. The shepherd finds the sheep and carries it back rejoicing. Rejoicing. He is not haranguing the sheep. He is not beating the sheep. He is rejoicing. He's not disciplining the sheep, but carrying the poor sheep and letting it rest. And I imagine the shepherd is just grinning from ear to ear. The shepherd is happy. The shepherd is rejoicing and the shepherd is so happy that as he gets back into town, he calls to his neighbors to come and party and celebrate with him. And we pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus ends this story with, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. There is more joy in heaven over the inclusion and reintroduction of that sheep to the flock than over all the rest who stayed put. I think God might just do joy better than we do. And I think God might want us to join them in that. But not everyone is shepherds. Not everyone gets how livestock work. Not everybody's been watching this farming life on BritBox. Not everybody knows how sheep and all that kind of thing works. So Jesus tells the story again, this time with a woman as the main character. So imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure that she'll call her friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. So what does the voice of God in the woman say this time? Same thing. Celebrate with me. Rejoice with me. Be happy with me. Imagine a woman who has two sets of car keys and one set is lost. True story. She searches everywhere for the keys, turns out drawers, turns the house upside down, goes through piles and piles of things, looks high and low and declares them lost. And with a fancy car, that's an expensive loss. But then a year later, someone opens a drawer in the garage which contains camping things and voila, there they are. And there they've been hiding this whole time. Imagine her joy at having the keys back. Imagine. Time for a party. Why not? We should celebrate the little things so that we could practice when it comes to celebrating big things. I like to celebrate everybody's birthday, whether I'm with them or not. I think cake is the best way to celebrate anybody's birthday. Um, I, uh, um, I just think celebrating is a good thing. And Jesus, all the way through these stories, says, celebrate with me. The woman in Jesus's story had 10 coins. It might have been her dowry. Who knows? But whatever. She had 10 coins. But on a quick 
check of her stash of coins, it appears she only has nine. She hasn't taken them out of the house, so she searches and she searches. She lights lamps, which is an expensive thing to do. She scours every corner, which is an effort. And she's rewarded by finding that which she thought was lost. And what does she do? She calls her friends. Let's party. Come celebrate with me. And after the story, Jesus says, count on it. Listen, this story shows how it could be on earth so that it looks like heaven. God's angels throw parties like this every time one lost soul, someone who believes themselves to be lost, turns to God. On earth as it is in heaven. That's where we find joy. Put yourself into either of these stories. Could be the woman and the coins or the shepherd and the sheep. Just imagine, where are you in this story? Do you believe yourself to be lost? Could you imagine being found by God today? Would that bring you joy? Well, according to Jesus' stories, it would bring God huge joy and the angels huge joy. They would party. Maybe you believe yourself to be one of the 99 sheep or the nine coins who are safely tucked away while God goes out to bring home the lost one. How does it feel to know that you're safe? How does it feel to know that you belong? How do you feel towards the lost one? Did you even notice they were missing? Maybe you picture yourself out looking with the shepherd or searching with the woman because you've realized something's missing. Are you a neighbor who is called upon to come and celebrate? And do you go? Do you join the party? I think sometimes, especially if we see ourselves as the found ones, the already safe and secure, perhaps we don't notice those who are missing. And we might find it a bit hard to search or celebrate with God and party on behalf of somebody else. And maybe that's why Jesus told the prodigal son story next. I'm not gonna tell it because you know it already, but just think about the older brother. The older brother was too grumpy to join the party when his younger brother returned. He seems offended or upset and jealous. I don't know. How do you read him? He seems jealous to me. His refusal to come to the party and his standoffish attitude say to me, where's my party? You've never celebrated me. This isn't fair. When I was a, a kid, my mum and my brother and I used to travel on the train and bus to, to visit my granddad London, who lived in London. Oh, maybe that's why he was called that. Um, anyway, when we got off the train, uh, we would get on a bus and take it to his house. The buses at that time had the entry at the back of the bus and a, condu a conductor who was taking money and giving tickets. There was a wire that ran across the ceiling of the bus that the conductor would ring to let the driver who was up at the front know that everybody was on the bus and they could pull away. The conductor would pull the cord twice, ding, ding, to let the driver, the driver know to go. And there's an expression... I think it's actually a whole UK expression. Uh, it could just be me. I don't know. I can't clarify that. I don't know if this is true. Um, but anyway, the expression goes, I'm on the bus, ding, ding. And it's a picture of a selfish action of jumping on the bus, pulling the cord rather than waiting for those behind you. I'm on the bus, ding, ding. I'm good. Screw the rest of you. Kind of like the older brother's attitude. And that is not what Jesus is inviting us to do. Jesus is inviting us to celebrate or to rejoice with him. Maybe, too, the invitation is to rejoice with each other, to celebrate when we see our friends celebrating. Jesus says, rejoice with me. Next Sunday, our gathering is a moment to celebrate. 
Um, with our gathering, we are marking our church's decision to be an inclusive, welcoming and affirming community of people and making it our business to live out our faith in love. We've given next Sunday morning a name because special things need names and we're calling it because of love. Like if it isn't because of love, what is it because of? And this is a moment to celebrate those in the LGBTQIA community who feel that they and their place has been lost in the structure of many churches. But we're gonna say, no, here is a place for you. And we're moving over to make room. We have a guest speaker coming um, Stacey Chomiak, uh, which we're, I'm really looking forward to hearing her speak, and Old Hand Coffee are making us rainbow cookies. See, cake, always needs cake. And um, we'll be marking this moment with our Sunday gathering. And um, I really hope that you can join us next weekend. And in the words of Jesus, Jesus, rejoice with us. Returning to joy and returning to God, we return to joy together. Joy, happiness, gladness, Jubilation and celebration are scattered through the Bible because joy is good for us. There is a bunch of research into the benefits of happiness. Side note, how fun would it be to have that job? Hey, what do you do for a job? I research happiness. Cool. Uh, anyway, scientific studies have begun to reveal a host of physical health benefits surrounding happiness, including a stronger immune system, stronger resilience in the face of stress, a stronger heart and less risk of cardiovascular disease, alongside quicker recovery times when overcoming illness or surgery. There is even a body of research that indicates being happy may help us to live longer. Seems like joy is actually about thriving, not just surviving. So how do you practice happiness? Can you make yourself happy? Remembering there are this no you know, good vibes only. Uh, pushing yourself to be happy when you really aren't is probably just denial. And it might be counterproductive. But if we're trying things on, that might make us happy as well as dealing with whatever it is that's making us unhappy. Maybe we can find a way through. I've got a few ideas of practical things to do when you want to feel happy. Maybe try one. And maybe let's make ourselves researchers in happiness, but just try one at a time, because then you won't know if you try more than one, which one's working. So just try one, pick one from this list. Just a suggestion, you don't have to. Uh, okay, first one, practice gratitude. Gratitude is a really good place to start. Name one thing you are grateful for and write it down. Actually, why don't you do it right now? One thing that you're grateful for and put it in the chat. Ready, set, go. Just one thing. Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. Nice, lots of things. Cool. Um, and then do the same thing again tomorrow. Maybe, uh, maybe name two things. Maybe even, you know, if you're feeling like, like you can push the vote out, maybe three. See what happens. They say it helps. Paul told the Thessalonians to do it. So he thought it was worth a try too. He says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Thanks, Paul. Um, okay, so that's my first one. Practice grateful gratitude. The second one is mindfulness. Now, this is about being present and aware of what you're feeling, acknowledging it and then letting it go. Feelings come and go like clouds in the sky, and mindfulness can help avoid us getting stuck in one particular feeling. Um, I saw this on Facebook yesterday. It was kind of 
kind of went, oh, that's that's handy. It says um, it's a quote from somebody called Robert Holden and uh, said, beware of destination addiction, a preoccupation with the idea that happiness is in the next place, the next job or with the next partner until you've given up the idea that happiness is somewhere else. It'll never be where you are. Until you've given up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it'll never be where you are. So be where you are. In Psalms, it says, the nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. Feelings don't last forever. Okay, so that's mindfulness. Um, there's some good suggestions, insight timer. It's very cool. Uh, you might want to check that out if you want a, um, a way to help you focus for a minute. Okay, next thing. So we've had gratitude, mindfulness, move. Exercise releases chemicals in our bodies that help us feel better. This works for at least two people I know. A good workout can seriously change their moods. It totally doesn't work for me. Exercise actually makes me feel worse. But for those of you without a chronic illness featuring post-exertional malaise, go for it. And let me know how it goes for you. Um, nature. Spending time outdoors has been proven to make us happier. Combine that with moving and you might be onto a winner. Petting an animal can have the same benefits. Creation is fabulous. And practicing gratitude to creator while you're in creation and boom, to it once again. I said just do one, but what have you got to leave? Just try them all. Uh, okay, and then love. Last one, love can help us feel happier. Socializing with people that you love, making time for others, being with people who fill your tanks, all the while remembering that you are loved by the one who loves you most. Because joy lives in community. Just like memory lives in community, joy lives in community. Um, John, in writing to his friends in 2 John, uh, says, I have a lot to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. I hope I can visit you instead. Then I can talk with you face to face. That will make our joy complete. Joy is found in community. And community has been a bit hard to come by in these past 18 months. We've had to work at it much more than in the before times. But it is worth pushing through the awkward Zoom calls, the spaced out outside gatherings, the meeting together, even if we have to be masked, because we need each other. We are made for relationship because that's how God designed us. They chose that we would need each other. They knew that we would find joy there because God, the three in one, finds joy in their relationship and we're made in their image. Even in the struggle, there is joy. Because what if you can't do any of that? What if you're just in the pit right now and life is really hard? Sometimes I can't find joy. Sometimes my limitations make me miss out on things that might bring joy. And I have learned a way around this that I call vicarious joy. And this is the way it works. I enjoy you enjoying it. I enjoy the thought of you enjoying it. I basically steal joy. I'm like a joy thief. Uh, it stops me being envious. It keeps me from being bitter because I'm really good at stealing it. And I think sometimes I actually enjoy whatever it is more than the person I'm stealing it from. But what if you're too miserable to even steal someone else's joy? What if misery is just the name of the game right now? Well, first remember that it doesn't last forever. Did you see that animated movie Inside Out? Remember that one? And it wasn't joy that saved the day. It was sorrow. 
The little girl in the story, Riley, she needed them both, but sorrow was the key to actually help her move forward. I have a poem to share with you and I shared it before, but it's important to remember because joy and sorrow are like inextricably linked with each other. Um, the poem is called On Joy and Sorrow uh, by Khalil Gibran. And it goes like this. Then a woman said, speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered, your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And the self same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? And when you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again into your heart and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Some of you say joy is greater than sorrow and others say nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. Together they come. And when one sits alone with you at your board, remember that the other is asleep upon your bed. Verily, you are suspended like scales between your sorrow and your joy. Only when you are empty are you at a standstill and balanced. When the treasure keeper lifts you to weigh his gold and his silver, needs must your joy or your sorrow rise or fall. I think joy and sorrow are flip sides of the same coin. A fruit of the spirit is joy. So could it be that sorrow is also a gift that will bring us back around to joy and that joy might bring us into a deeper sorrow that might bring us back to joy and around and around and around it goes. It says, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I wonder if this is how that works itself out. So let me recap. Joy and sorrow exist hand in hand with each other. Happiness is good for us. And there are practical ways to practice joy. And I encourage you to try them on for size. Gratitude, mindfulness, being in creation, moving our bodies and loving God, ourselves, friends and neighbors. And then Jesus says, rejoice with me because joy happens in community. It happens where God is and where we're in relationship with each other. At Emmanuel, God is with us. And if he is not a reason for joy, then I'm out. Like I got nothing. Jesus is the center, has always been the center. And he is the joy and has always been so. Amen. And that is all I got. So let me pray for us. And then, um, and then we'll open it up for any kind of thoughts anyone wants to throw. So God, I thank you that you are the joy giver that you are the center of our joy. Take us back again to joy. Fill us again with joy. May we breathe in your joy. May it be a thing that sustains us through whatever sorrows, because we know that joy will come in the morning, whenever that may be. So God, I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you for your joy. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you call us to rejoice with you. May we never forget to do so. Amen.
All right. Well, um, next week we are in person and we will also be on Zoom for those of you who aren't able to join us. Um, so uh, you can you can hop back into here next week. It'll be the same code. I will also send it out. Um, and uh, we will be on we will be in person. Um, we have a limited amount of space at 105 people, so we'll be setting up a, a register to let us know you're coming for next week because we imagine that we might have a few more extras. Um, and uh, but we have the Zoom option as well, so we'll be good. Everybody can attend, it just might look different. Uh, so I will let you know how we're going to do that um, in the next couple of days. And we've also done some troubleshooting on the sound for Zoom. Yes. So for those who um, were participating via Zoom last week when we were in person, um, hopefully all of the issues that um, we experienced last week will be resolved for this coming uh, time so you can hear things clearly and see things a little better too. Yeah, I'm sorry if you had to endure it last week. Um, we hope that you'll be able to enjoy it next week.